Welcome to Gardening Naturally with Jeff Ferris. Call or text Jeff now with your gardening and landscape questions. 512-836-0590. Well, welcome back or welcome to, depending, uh, Gardening Naturally. Beautiful day today. Will be a great day to be out in the garden. Unfortunately, I won't be in the garden. I'll be pushing a lawnmower. But anyway, the end result makes it look good. Let's go to the phone. This is Lee. Good morning, Lee. What can I help you with? Yes, I have a covered patio, 12 by 40, and I have a kind of born plant that it was not doing very well. On Sunday, I just kind of gave up, put it on the side of the house. And it turned out to be the most beautiful plant. It's got green everywhere. I mean, just beautiful. It's about two feet. Got plants. I mean, uh, 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 flowers on it. And then during that cold last week, I brought it in. Guess what? It's, all the leaves are turning yellow and starting to drop. So what okay. should I do? Uh, if it's the crown of thorn plant, it really wants stable water. Not too wet, not too dry. It wants an opportunity to dry out a little bit before you water it again. And too much water gives you what you're looking at, the yellowing of the leaves there. Okay. It is not a fan of the cold. You don't want to let it freeze. So bringing it in was a good thing. Just when you do, don't get carried away with watering it. I put my finger in it, and it didn't seem like it was wet. Then that is when you would be watering. Oh, okay. okay. Right? If, it's, if you put your fingers in the soil and it's dry, then you should be watering. But if you put your fingers in the soil and you can feel any dampness, you don't have to water it. Okay. Well, then... Um I'm, it's going to be great this week. I'm going to put it back outside and see what happens. Yeah, it is going to be really nice this week. Now, don't forget, because they're talking about the end of the week of having rain. So if we get rain, you don't need to water. You still do the same thing. Stick your fingers in the soil. If it's damp, you don't need to water. Okay, well, thank you very much for all your help. Thanks for the call, Lee. Um, let's see here. Okay, this is a this is a common complaint. You're trying to grow your rice seed. You want it to fill in the turf for you. You, you want it to get thick. And you have dogs. Sorry, there is no magic other than keeping the dogs off of it. And uh, I give up my turf in a heartbeat for dogs. I mean, I would like it to stay green. Really, I would. But my dogs get to have place too. I don't know of any shortcut to help your seeds, whether they're flowers or grass seed or whatever, survive dogs running on the ground over them. The bigger the dogs, the more damage they'll do. And that's just from their paws. 
that's not them actually deciding, I want to dig a hole here. That happens a lot, by the way. So your solution is keep the dogs off of that area until the grass comes back, until it starts actually growing. But you got to understand, of the grasses, rye is not the strongest in terms of traffic, like dogs. Bermuda, on the other hand, is pretty good. I mean, we use a form of Bermuda grass for, well, I don't know that we do so much anymore because of artificial turf. But Bermuda is usually the playground turf grass. It can handle that traffic on it all the time. And if it gets worn down a little bit, <clears throat> it will grow back fairly fast. But the only way to keep dogs from damaging the grass, the turf, etc., is to keep the dogs off the turf. There's no tool, there's no method that um, lets the dog still tear up the ground. So you got tough choices. You've got you've got tough choices on how to protect it. So it's kind of your choice. Dogs or grass. And without grass, the dogs aren't going to be happy. I know it's a terrible catch 22. But the dogs will tear up the turf pretty much no matter what you do. Smaller dogs do less damage. Big dogs, I used to have a pair of shepherds. They would run circles around the fence, and in about three days, you would have a mud track going around the fencing. I sacrificed it for the dogs because I'd rather have the dogs. Don't know if that's the decision for you or not, but you don't really have a lot of other choices. Um, we are looking at maybe some rain on Thursday. At least the weather report says that. We're not supposed to get a lot of rain this week. Um, I saw a couple of charts that stated things like maybe an inch over the next seven days. That's perfect, folks. That is perfect. An inch of rain a week, especially under these weather conditions, man, you're going to really, really have happy plants. Trees and turf are going to set nice, deep roots. And that's what we want, remember? The deeper the root, the more green turf on top. It gets down into cooler soil. And it gets down to where water is gone. So if we get an inch of rain this week, you won't need your sprinklers. That is a perfect number for just about anything we are growing. There is some uh, recovery that we're going to get. We're not getting the amount of rain we should have, but it's so convenient 
to have it spaced out the way it's been. We aren't getting swampy ground, but we're getting good, deep water. And that's what we're looking forward to. Let it soak down into the soil and we can just kick off our sprinklers and the plants will be just fine. Hopefully everybody gets an equal amount of rain. Too many times when it's supposed to rain, we get dry spots, places that everybody else got rain, but you didn't. So pay attention, keep an eye out and understand if you didn't get any rain, you may need to go out and check and see if you need to water your plants. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. I need to take a break. We'll be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Let's go to the phone. This is Mike. Mike, what can I help you with? Mike, are you there? Uh, yes, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Okay, sorry. Um, I planted a chinkapin um, oak in my front yard, and the deer got after the trunk, and uh, they pretty well chewed about half the bark off off about a foot worth of the tree. And I'm trying to figure out if this tree is ever going to live, and should I just replace it? Well, if you replace it and you have deer, you need to protect it better. You right. need <laughs> to wrap it. Okay. Will it make it? Um, normally, they would say if you girdle a tree, meaning you remove the bark all the way around the tree, that will kill the tree. But if it didn't remove it all the way around, the tree could still make it. Okay. So it's kind of, do you want to take your chance? Um, you, you've got to put protection around the one that's there, but there is a good chance that it'll come back and, uh, get better over the years. And it won't take many years before the scar of what the deer did disappears. Hmm. Well, I'm just, uh, wondering if it'll take a long time to stunt the growth of the tree. There's no guarantee that it won't. That, you mm -hmm. know, hey, I got abused. I, I'm going to take my time here. But there's no reason, looking at it, that they can't, that the tree won't recover. But you definitely got to fix it so they can't do it again. Oh, yeah, no, I got that part. <laughs> uh, it's kind of well, up to you. There's yeah, I no get you. loss, right, right, if you take it out and put in a new one. Yep, I got it. Well, uh, thanks a lot. I enjoy your show. I listen to it a lot on Sundays. Okay, well, I th thank you for the call, and uh, I wish you luck. It's always tough to decide, gosh, do I give up on it or do I 
you know, does it grow a little slower for a bit as it recovers? Tough calls. Tough right. calls. Right. But you got deer, so whatever you do, got to protect it. Yes. <laughs> I thought they'd leave this uh, oak tree alone, but I was wrong. Uh, no, they they will eat your laundry off your clothesline. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, don't don't trust don't trust the deer. Yeah, I hear you. Okay, well, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Thanks for the call. Yeah, folks, um, deer look cute. Oh, there's Bambi. Stop feeding the dang deer. You are not helping them. You're giving them a diet that they don't want, and it's not healthy for them, and we wind up with deer everywhere. Don't feed the deer. Just don't. You're just asking for things like car accidents and for your plants to be devoured and things like that. If you put a plant in the ground and you do have deer, like Mike found out, you need to protect that plant till it gets a little bigger and older where the tree, excuse me, where the deer will stop eating the bark. Now that doesn't mean that you've really protected the tree because the bucks can rut against the tree, rub their horns against it and tear bark off also. But if you give the tree a few years to grow, get thick, get on a good layer of bark, the deer will do less and less damage to it. If you live with deer, there you, you got to start coming up with your own defenses to understand, well, what do they like to eat? What plants are they attacking? What plants will they leave alone? And what can I do to put up some kind of defenses? Gets frustrating. Put in all that effort to come out someday and uh, somebody ate it. Somebody destroyed it. Somebody ruined the plant. And somebody is Bambi. So always, always, when putting plants in the ground in an area with deer, prepare for the deer. They're really notorious for walking up to a newly planted plant, taking a big bite out of it and pulling, and pulling the plant right out of the ground. You know, it's bad enough that they take bites out of them and eat them, but geez, don't kill them. Give the plants a chance. Now, no talking to deer. They don't listen. I happen to be fortunate and I am grateful for it. I am fortunate that I don't have deer where I live. Now I have bobcats and coyotes, but I don't have deer. I was driving to Georgetown the other day, early in the morning, sun was just starting to brighten the sky and this doe ran across the road right in front of me. Fortunately, I wasn't going very fast and I didn't hit it and it made it across the road just fine. 
But that was a shocking thing to discover first thing in the morning. Wasn't planning on that. But it definitely woke me up. Yeah, it, it, it definitely made me pay attention. I sympathize with you folks on the west side of Georgetown. You must have deer everywhere. And there's really no control for it. I know they were here first. Too bad. <clears throat> we can work out ways to live together. Now, is there any other critter that really is a pain? Yes, there are a lot of critters that are a pain. I have a real problem with rabbits. They will chew all kinds of stuff to the ground. Even my tomatoes, which surprised me, I would think that tomatoes, they have chemicals in their leaves that would taste bad, didn't bother the rabbits. And they got a real thing for my pepper plants. Can't tell you how many times they chewed them down to stems sticking out of the ground. Um, coyotes, not so much problem in the garden. Raccoons, possums, they can be annoyances. Armadillos, those will be a problem. They're diggers. They're digging, looking for food. They eat grubs. Hey, great, they eat grubs. It looks like somebody dropped a bomb when they dig their hole to get to the grubs. It's a big mess. There are ways to control all of these critters. You mainly. So if you're going to have a garden... If you're improving your landscape, know what's out there and plant accordingly. If you're putting in a tree, get what's called a T-post, maybe a five-foot, six-foot tall one, and pound it into the ground, oh, six inches away from the trunk of the tree. Then get yourself what's called welded wire fence. Has little two inch by four inch wide holes in it. And you can wrap that from the T-post in the ground all the way around the tree back to the T-post in the ground. It will uh, keep the deer from being able to bite through and chew on the bark. And it will also stop deer from rutting against the bark when they have their horns and tearing the bark off. It's an extra step. And no, I don't like the look of my trees with T-posts sticking out of the ground next to them. But once you can get them established, once you can get them to start broadening out, to start becoming bigger, the deer can't do as much damage. So you can remove that cage. You can remove the T-posts. And the trees will be able to survive what the deer throw at them. 
But those in Deerland, you have to start knowing that you have a problem to conquer. And that's kind of how you got to think about it. You're going to need to conquer the deer. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. We're coming up at the bottom of the hour. We're going to break for the news. I'll catch you on the other side. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome back, everybody. You know, there is one thing about, well, this weekend would be a good choice. It may be raining next weekend, but who knows? Getting trees planted. We are in just this beautiful temperature band for the next week. Go to a nursery. They're running sales. Many of them are. And pick out a new tree. Now, before you do so, do not pick a tree and go, oh, I need a tree that only grows 10 feet tall. Oh, I'll just keep trimming it. No, 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 no. If you need something that can only be 10 foot tall, look at plants that will only get 10 feet tall. They do not want to constantly be topped or trimmed to keep them short. You get a crepe myrtle. Okay, I really like that color. It'll grow to 30 feet tall if you get the wrong variety. And if you don't have room for a 30-foot tall crepe myrtle, don't plant it. I have five, six, seven, eight, nine crepe myrtles in my front yard. I didn't plant them. <clears throat> I don't need to care for them. They're great plants. They, they, once they're established, they don't require much of anything. You trim them for the shape you're looking for. And that's not difficult, but they're 30 foot tall, all of them. They are big crepe myrtles. I am never, never going to be able to make them 10 foot tall plants. When you get yourself, oh, the live oak you've been looking for, don't plant it five feet from the house. Understand how big these plants are going to be. Be. You want room for them, and you definitely don't want um, slab lifters. You don't want trees that are going to tear up your driveway or your sidewalk. Plant ones far enough away that that's not going to be an issue. And as for shrubs, you can get shrubs. I'll use photinias as an example, and you all know I don't like photinias. You get photinias and you use them to fill in and make a quick privacy fence. Okay. But they're going to reach a point where they're going to blend into each other. <clears throat> and they're not particular fans of that. That creates microclimates that induce a lot of disease in photinias. You get yellow leaves with purple spots and they run up and down one branch and you got to do things to take care of them. 
photinias want to be very tall. While you can keep them trimmed to, I don't know, six feet. Maybe that's all taller you want them to do. That photinia is going to spend its life trying to be taller than six feet. So rather than put in a plant that you got to constantly do maintenance on, how about you get a plant that will grow to the height you want and not beyond? That shrub could be a Texas sage. Grow to six feet. That's all the taller it'll get. Great. That works exactly the way I want it to be. Or a loquat or a wax myrtle or whatever plant whose max height matches what you are looking to put in your property. You are not helping yourself, not at all, to put in a plant that you got to come out there and top it all the time to keep it in bounds. And people do it. I mean, <clears throat> they don't understand that they're harming the tree. They're not keeping it happy. They're not keeping it healthy by keeping it topped to stay short. Some varieties, like a crepe myrtle, they do have in what they would call a dwarf size meaning somewhere between three and 10 feet. If that's the size of space you have, then get that size of crepe myrtle. Now, if you get a tree, understand how big the tree is gonna get. You should not be going out there and constantly taking out the center of that tree to keep it short. It's not good for the tree. Look for a tree that stays short. You want something that is evergreen? Well, there are a lot of evergreens. Yeah, there are a lot of evergreens you can plant here. And they're beautiful. Varying heights, great density. They'll make great privacy for you. And they stay green. Don't try to plant something and go, I want this for privacy. And it's a plant that sheds its leaves every winter. And consider something. There is a plant called the Bradford pear. It is, a, it is not a good plant. All right? Yes. It has an almost perfect shape to it. It has that beautiful spring bloom. The leaves have a nice fall color. It is a short-lived plant. 20 years is an old Bradford pear. You know what? You can replace it with a real pear, a fruiting pear. And they'll last 40 years. And they still give you flowering blooms in the spring, and beautiful fall color. So think about what you're doing and how long you're going to be there. And that is something else you should consider. Let's say you're moving and you, got, you found the perfect house you want to move into. Take the time to walk around the yard. 
seriously, figure out what is planted there. Because you don't know that the previous owner didn't make a mistake and put too big a plant in too small a spot. And he's just been topping it every year. Or it's too close to the house. Or it is lifting the foundation. You just haven't determined that yet. Not only is a landscape an asset to your home, when you're purchasing a new home, you want to know what's there because it can be a liability. Know what's growing there. And maybe you have to make an agreement that you will purchase the house if the current owner removes a certain tree or plant. Don't make it fall on you. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. I need to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Let's head over to the phone. This is Jim. Jim, what can I help you with? Yeah, good morning. Love your show, of course. And uh, I've got a question about the bird of paradise and the Esperanza. If I was to take a cutting off of each, could I somehow get them to grow in another plant? Um, The Esperanza should be something you should get from a cutting. Now, the Bird of Paradise, because it goes dormant during the winter, you Uh may want to wait till spring where you have new growth to be able to take a cutting from it. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Should I just, at the time, stick it in the ground, and uh, or do I cultivate it in water to get some sprouts on it, or what do I do? If you can, if you can... And you have some of that rooting hormone, dip it in the rooting hormone and putting it in, you know, a a simple potting soil, something Mm -hmm. that doesn't turn to a swamp, but can hold some moisture. And Mm. you should see it start to set some roots fairly soon. And from there, once it starts going and you pull and you actually have roots, then it should be okay to put it in the ground. All right. All right. Perfect. That's what I was hoping for. I, I figured you'd be the man to ask, so thank you so much. Yeah, and they're not particularly difficult. So you picked some good plants to do this with. Oh, hooray, because I'm kind of a simpleton, so that works, <laughs> that works right up my alley. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, good luck then. <laughs> thank you. You bet. Uh, yeah, folks. We always wonder about plants. Oh, I got to go to nursery, big box store, whatever to get them. Surprisingly, with a little bit of effort, not a huge amount, you can take an existing plant and clone it. That's what we're doing when we're making a cutting. We're basically cloning the plant. Now, I'm sure everybody knows about pothos ivy. You know, that 
that ivy that people have in office cubicles and in, you know it looks like a jungle and all that you can break off a leaf of that and stick it in some water and it'll set roots some begonias are that easy some plants you make a little cutting stick it in a good potting soil make sure it stays a little moist you don't want to swamp it and it will set roots for you this is a good way to get tomato starts. Let's say you had a tomato this year that just rock and rolled for you. It did super, super well. Take a cutting from it. Start it inside. Keep it inside till spring. And you will raise up that plant again. It'll be a clone, but it will do everything that the original did and Maybe you get a really good season out of that one, too. Some plants we graft. Citrus, super easy to graft. Super easy to graft. And the fruit trees, majority of fruit trees in central Texas are all grafted. They're grafted because of diseases in our soil or bad soil or the Temperature, they need better support, and the roots can provide that. Um, you, you can experiment. You can be the mad scientist and experiment and wind up with your own plants. Now, I'm sure nurseries would prefer you come in and buy their plants. I understand that. But you don't have to. You really want to have some fun. Look in your spice cabinet. You would be amazed at how many spices you could just take out like dill seed. <laughs> Go sprinkle some seeds and you'll get a dill plant. Sesame. Um, that's another one where you would just sprinkle the sesame seeds and they will grow. Coriander becomes cilantro for you. It's too easy to go on your own. Though there's nothing wrong with getting a started plant. You don't have to mess with it that way, right? You just put it in the ground and it starts growing. If you are trying to teach kids, the spice cabinet's a perfect place to start. A perfect place. Let them know we use this spice. Uh, it tastes good. Can you tell? And let them know what it tastes like, then go, how about we make some more? Start those seeds. Get kids to see where their food actually comes from. Let them have it. Let them try it. And you will see, wow, these are really easy plants to grow. And they gave me great results. And now I have more. You can spark your kids into uh, participating, being part of the garden. Now, I see this week the, uh, <clears throat> the weather report is showing that for the next seven days, we could wind up with uh, a couple of inches of rain. 
not everywhere, not everyone. Um, my area is about an inch. Other spots are more than that over now till the end of the week. <clears throat> Remember, that is how much rain that would be about perfect for just about everything we grow. An inch of week during these temperatures, and you're going to have seriously happy plants. If you're south of Austin, you may get two inches. But the rest of us are looking at a nice round of rain and can only hope that it'll help start bringing back our soil and our plants from what was an unbearable disaster for this summer. I really hope we don't go through that again. There are no guarantees. And we can say, well, it gets hot. Yeah, nothing but records last year. And if we have another year of record heat, oh gosh, that is going to really set us back. Take advantage of the rain. Make sure that you're getting it where you need. Those of you with rainwater collection, this may be an opportunity to top off your tanks. Always love that. Go out there and I could see that my overflow was running. That meant I was capturing more water than I had space to store it. That's uh, not a bad thing, folks. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. Uh, coming up to the top of the hour, we're going to break for the news. I will talk to you all next Saturday at 9 o'clock. Have a great weekend.